everyone, I'm Fernanda and welcome to another episode of Hanging on Sunset. I feel like it's been a while. This is our first episode of this month. I'm talking about February 2021 in case you'll be listening some other time. We have actually a full month ahead of us. So many amazing guests. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Stay connected with us on Instagram at Hanging on Sunset for more. Today, my co-host Vincent and I will be talking to producer Paul Miner. He was bassist for Death by Stereo. Paul has worked with bands like New Found Glory and two of our past guests, Crash Overcast and Silence of You. That's why we are really excited to talk to you, Paul. He's a big part of the OC rock scene. Stay with us. How's it going? Let me. There we go. Very good. How are you? How you doing? There we. I'm so sorry. My computer just crashed. No problem. <laughs> we were waiting for a, you know half an hour listening to the mu music you did and the music you produced and the time was coming and suddenly uh, is, is no worries that's fine because i couldn't figure out for like five minutes of how to sign sign out of my daughter's zoom account to <laughs> so, I didn't, so i didn't have my daughter's name <laughs> so we're very very happy to have you with us uh today kenton and crash overcast they told us that you produced uh, their music and we were eager to have you on board because yeah. we have them like separately randomly and they oh. both talked about you so we were oh. like we need to have Paul on board. Get Paul in a show. And That's then awesome. Canton from Silence of You offered to get in touch with you. So we were very, very happy. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Oh, that's exciting. Thank you for having me. So this is how we start our show. I have a question for you. What did you do to save rock and roll? I saved rock and roll by making fun and meaningful records from bands that I'm friends with and that will leave a footprint on rock and roll music for hopefully forever, but at least for the, for the next, you know, rest of my life. I, I know that I've been fortunate to be part of and produce records already that have impacted people's lives a lot. And, um, and I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can. Uh, you, you said you're producing uh, music from friends. So you have a lot of friends. <laughs> I do have a lot of friends. That is one aspect of what I do that is probably my favorite is that if people aren't my friends before I produce a record for them, they're friends after. Mm -hmm. And usually it, I, I, you know, have, it's always has been for the last 20 plus years, friends of friends of friends. It's just a network of people who were my friends first that also played music and said that, Hey, we need to make a record. And I was like, you know, hit me up. And then those friends recommended me to their other people. And it just goes like that. So yeah, it, it is. It's awesome that I, I do have a lot of friends through music. <laughs> is that why you're uh, you don't need to have a updated website? <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it's funny because someone just, uh, my friend that I, uh, I recorded this band free will this past weekend. And he's like, dude, can I please make your website, uh, current? And why don't you like, I'm like, I literally, I did it myself 15 years ago. And I'm like, I 
we were watching it, and uh, we, we go to the link. the section of uh, yeah. uh, recent projects, and you see the first link is a MySpace link <laughs> from 2005 or six, I think. That's amazing. Um, I uh, yeah, so I guess part. I mean, like, I really should update my website. But part, yeah, part of it is because I'm not sitting around going, man, I, who, who am I going to work with next? I, I'm, it's usually I'm trying to figure out how to make time to work with the people who are asking me to make records for them. So, yeah, that it's it's uh, embarrassing. I will admit. <laughs> no, it's fun. But uh, but yeah, I, cool. it's that is cool. that ass. It's uh, it's twofold. Yeah, actually, the funny part is on my website, the picture of me there, I still have hair and I haven't had hair in 15 years. <laughs> funny. Uh, so can you tell us about uh, your journey? Because you started as a musician before you were a producer, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're still probably making music today, too. I... I honestly, I actually don't play that much anymore um, because... Uh, so my journey was like, I, my mom had me play piano from when I was really little from four years old and, and I was taking music lessons and it wasn't really something that I liked when I was a kid, but my mom really pushed me. And, um, but when I was probably maybe 13 or 14, I discovered metal and I, Iron Maiden was my favorite band. Loved Steve Harris was the leader of Iron Maiden. So it made me want to play bass and my brother played guitar and we started playing together, forming a band. And, that's when it really became fun. Um, and so, you know, we had had a band in high school and a two bands uh, before Death by Stereo started. And then, um, yeah, Death by Stereo started. And we, it was just, we were just doing what we loved doing, playing music in a garage with our friends. And um, and you, uh, you produced the three, the three first records, right? right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I, I started, and I, what's up? Is that how you started recording music? Um, I, it was the band right before death by stereo. Uh, we had recorded a, a seven inch at this local studio and I was really fascinated by the process. And I asked the owner if he needed any interns. And so I started interning and learning there. So it was, yeah, maybe like a year and a half before death by stereo started that I started working at that studio. And yeah, then it, when death by stereo started, it was like, Hey guys, I can record, record us for cheap. All we have to do is pay for the studio time. And um, that kind of snowballed. So it was, as death by stereo grew as a band, I was meeting more people. And because of that, I was saying, Hey, let's make a record together. And that's when that was the era of time where I recorded a Trey you and thrice. And, um, you know, a, a couple few bands that are still, that got really huge yeah. after, after, um, I'd worked with them, but yeah. So it was, it kind of snowballed with playing in the band. And then I hit a point basically where I was, having to turn down producing projects to go on tour and make no money. So uh, that was when I decided to quit death by stereo to produce full time and yeah, focus all my energy on that. So to answer your earlier question, um, I, it, music used to be or like playing music used to be my release. And um, I spent all my extra time learning about new bands and trying to find out everything I could about being a better bass player, you know, new albums, bands that we wanted to tour with all that, but it's over the last, you know, 20 years, it's shifted to where music is more my career. So then my release is I love playing hockey and I love, you know, I hang out with my kids and, and that's what I do to kind of get away from music. It, it's, it's weird because it's still my passion. I still love doing it. I still think about, what I can do to be
be a better producer, make, make better sounding records all the time. But, you know, when I'm at the studio eight, nine, 10 hours a day, five, six days a week, I need, my break is getting away from music. So. So Paul, like one, you saw, you told us that you produce most of your friends' albums, right? Because you have like a, a community, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And the whole point that we started this podcast is to create a community. And also because we are tired of listening, people saying the rock is dead. And what's your opinion on that? Why, what's happening? Like what's, what's in this decade that kind of got rock out of the map like because that's what people because it uh, used to be mainstream yeah like in the now, 90s i i don't know um i'm not really sure i guess i feel like uh it, it's come and gone in waves and maybe we're in a a you know lull right now of mainstream acceptance of rock music but it's like the the world that i am in and have been in has never gone away. It's just gotten less mainstream, but you know, it, it's, it will come back. Everything always comes around, I guess, for mainstream acceptance, but yeah, right now. It's not necessarily a bad news. I mean, if rock and roll is not mainstream, it's not meant to be mainstream. (laughs) No. And, and it's, I still spend all day, every day working with people that love rock, like, some form of rock, big punk, metal, hardcore, you know, ska, whatever, that it's all rooted in rock music that those people are doing it because they love it and they have something to say, they care about it, they're passionate and they, they want to get their emotions out on a record. So that isn't going to go away. And I, I think that, you know, mainstream acceptance is one thing, but that doesn't mean that it's, you know, dead or it's going, it's yeah. gone. It's people still, still bands and there are more and more bands. I There's a lot of bands. Like, and that's why um, I, what I see in LA, there, there is a community. So we just have to get all these people together. And- I think that maybe the, the community aspect of it, just this is speaking from someone who, who's an old guy uh, that, pre-internet or like infancy of the internet i guess you should say like late 90s when i first started playing in bands and going to shows it was we might find out about the existence of a band but through the internet but you couldn't just learn everything about them you know like get everything you would out of by researching them on the internet you had to like go to the show hang out with them talk to them and there there was a little bit more of like kind of it was more personal right um in person i guess i like yeah i think that there's still a personal connection now um but maybe it's just via you know you're texting someone instead of seeing them at a show but i i don't know it's still there like i still think that there is a community it's just like my era of time when that was like most important to me was you know pre like the early days of of internet so it was maybe a little bit less important uh, that way, but I don't know. I still think that it's it matters, and I I think that maybe that the internet in democratizing access to music has made it so that it's kind of harder for bands to get noticed because there's just so many. But the good ones always, you know, find a way to be heard and get noticed. And I don't know. It it's still, you know, like the community still happens, and there still is great bands that you know people will find out about through going to shows and finding each other but maybe people uh, lost uh the habit of discovering new bands but just by going to a club you know on a random night absolutely I, I do think that there is there is that there's less kind of magic of 
discovering like i've never heard of this band i'm at this show to watch one band there's four more bands playing and wow i never heard of these guys i'm gonna go buy a record on my way out i do like i do think there's less of that i think that maybe like i don't know if the the lack of people buying tangible music anymore has something to do with that but i like that is something that i remember of like discovering a band at a show but buying their seven inch or buying cd on the way out and then listening to it over and over and over when i got home and it meant a little bit more and it made it more of a connection because i had that that thing that i spent money on to you know matter when as if you find out about a new band now you go to a show and then you're like cool i'm gonna listen to them on the way home on my phone and you listen to them once or twice and then you forget about it but <laughs> yeah. um but i don't know i i like it's still like the 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 love of music and the passion is still there it's just like the access has changed i guess a little bit and there's one good thing i guess about the internet is uh it allows a niche music to thrive more because you can reach out to people all around the world absolutely absolutely and and i think that um it, that's it's been really good for that of bands that are do very specific things or very unique things can be found by a broader audience that wouldn't have been before and yeah, I'm sure you get you, you get more exposure like you like you can connect you like all over the world like in, in seconds I mean it's at least for me as a producer it's changed my life drastically and it's not even just the internet but the internet speeds like broadband access in more places like in South America or Eastern Europe where like I do I I've mixed and mastered records from uh I'm friends with a couple guys in, in Buenos Aires and I do a bunch of stuff from them I do stuff from some guys in the Czech Republic and it's like that wasn't possible 10 years ago because they just didn't have the internet connection speeds to upload a you know 20 gigabytes of files to me to work on so oh. it's been it's been amazing it's like in a really really awesome way it's made my my you know career a lot better I have a friend, he's uh, like a classical uh, composer and he mostly works for uh, movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he records uh, orchestras remotely now that are in Europe. Wow. And he's here in, uh, in LA in That's his room. Crazy. And That's from awesome. his computer, he's uh, asking the conductor, you know, no, he's telling notes and everything. And they're recording, he receives the files di directly. Wow like loss less yeah so maybe that's going to be uh, one of the things you're going to do in the next decade yeah recording remotely i mean i really d it it has changed a lot in the sense that i've done because of like internet speeds but also just like the advances in technology of like home recording or whatever like you can make really good sounding stuff at home and maybe you get to that point where you're like I don't really know how to finish this I need to send it to someone like me who's been doing it for a long time and so it it really has opened up a new kind of new avenue for me of bands that would like maybe don't have enough money to make a full record with me but then they can do most of it themselves and then mm -hmm. I can help at the end to to you know make it sound a little bit better but Yeah, like that is really exciting. The the fact that you know the recording technology on has gotten a lot more affordable and so much better, and allowed people to send you know like do stuff at home, then send files to me to finish. And yeah, it's been it's been really awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of bedroom producers now. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, like obviously, like in this, I guess it's the same way with anything. You know, it, it it's hard to get discovered but there's a because there's so many people out there but you know it does at least allow you to 
make amazing stuff and express you know, sure. without having the barrier of needing to save up a ton of money to go to an expensive studio. Yeah. Uh, were you where, where you come from? Like from are you from LA or what? I grew up in Orange County. Uh, mm -hmm. I, a small town. Oh, it's not that small. I guess it's a little town called Yorba Linda. It's mm -hmm. a pretty pretty like nice suburban neighborhood um that's where you grew up yeah yeah grew up my whole childhood there and then um my parents are both uh actually school teachers public school teachers and uh we always had summers off so we would travel around the country uh every summer in our rv and i had actually gone been to 48 sta u.s states and all across canada before i ever had gone been in a band on tour oh, wow. so I, but because of that i like I'd been all across the you know country and then later being able to tour internationally with the band stuff got to where I was like, yeah, there's a, a reason I, I, I love Southern California, you know, like, so I, I live in Fullerton now, which is not too far from. And I feel I like we see a lot in your music that you produce as well, the, like the OC, like. Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's an, just, again, an extension of my group of friends, you know, like people that I, that I knew, but I am lucky that there is such a strong community of punk and hardcore music in, in Orange County specifically, but in, oh, in yeah. Southern California, like, mm -hmm. you know, legendary bands that have, you know, gone to be very big that are all from, you know, within That's 15 fine. minute drive from me. So, so I'm, cool. I'm really lucky in that way. Do you ever hang out on a census trip when back in the days or oh, right yeah. now? Um, I, I used to go to shows at the Whiskey and the Roxy all the time. I love like I loved that, yeah. Like, like late nineties, early two thousands, there was a ton of really really good shows. Um, they were always happening more so at the Rock, <laughs> Roxy, uh, but then also the Whiskey too, and the Key Club was was okay. good as well, which we has still around when I arrived here in two thousand ten. Uh, but we we feel like it's kind of a. Uh, a boomer that uh, the now the Sunset Strip has become more like a, a tourist destination. Yeah, it's gotten a little bit more like, yeah, like touristy, maybe corporate owned. Uh, and there's a lot more like pay to play shows and stuff. Like the whiskey is pretty much all like pay to play. It just, I mean, when bands used to tour in the late 90s, early 2000s, they and they would play a show in LA and a show in Orange County. And usually the show in LA was at the Roxy or sometimes at the Whiskey. And like, yeah. so yeah, I was going there all the time. I, the Palace and the Palladium too. Like mm -hmm. that was a, that was a, a heyday. It's, it's sad that that is, you know, maybe not as. So sad. Not as popular now. But there are still venues that are doing their job and curating like, uh, you know, emerging bands like uh, Kenton was telling, uh, talking to us about the Wayfair. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like the, uh, to be honest, I'm a little less connected to the club scene now just because I, I don't go to shows as much as I used to get having kids and, you know, of course, <laughs> all that stuff. But uh, but yeah, like the, I feel like there is when there's a need or like when there is a, you know, like a community of people that want to go to shows like something will pop up something, you know, like a venue will come. Maybe it doesn't last for a super long time, but, you know, as something goes like the the desire for bands to play shows and we'll be there so something else and will do pop you think up. Like, with the with the pandemic because we've been stuck at home for so long uh, people even who were never like interested at going to shows as much they will have this desire of going and see live music 
I think so. I hope so. But I do. I mean, like, I feel that way where I used to go to maybe now in the last few years, probably only go to a handful of shows, three, four shows a year. And now I'm like chomping at the bit to get, get back to Alex's bar to see bands that I'm, you know, like I miss it. I love it. And I hope, I do think that that'll happen that um, people, it's like one of those things, you don't know what you're missing well, until it's on. And then awakening for everyone, I think to appreciate more like the, absolutely. We missed yeah. the sweat. <laughs> What's a, I know I can't wait to be sweaty and close to other strangers. I know. Right. Um, <laughs> I miss that. Yeah. You performing too. Even I'm sorry? You miss performing as well. Sometimes I do. I, I love playing. I love playing music. I love touring. I absolutely love touring. I really miss that aspect of it. Um, but I don't miss the rest of it. Like the mm. the band business, like dealing with labels and managers and, and promoters and like that kind of stuff was what wore me down a little bit. Um, mm. But like I was still, I have a, a few times filled in for Death by Stereo playing bass at shows over the last, you know, whatever. I, I did a show in Arizona probably two years ago, I think. And it was so fun. I, it made me, I was like, ah, I just, I miss it so much. But I, that that chapter ha is in the in the past because I just just because of having kids and stuff I mm -hmm. can't really I mean I know that I have plenty of friends who have kids and tour all the time but mm -hmm. um, yeah but yeah I've, I've got a good thing at home so totally and I think I saw a picture of your son holding a Iron Maiden record on your Instagram <laughs> yes. so do you think your your music background and your music taste will influence them Oh absolutely they're they I mean they already like bands that I'm friends with or have produced uh, like maybe not right now, but at least like a year or two ago, if you ask them their they would say that their favorite bands are Ramones because I produced records for CJ Ramone. And I was like, Hey guys, we got to listen to lots of Ramones right now. Cause I'm going to do a new <laughs> CJ record. So we'd be driving in the car and they to listen to Ramones all the time. And um, so they're right now their favorite band is probably the Aquabats uh, because my friend Ian, who was the original guitar player from Death by Stereo, yeah. is in the Aquabats, and we've we got to go to a couple shows in the last year or so, and so they love the whole like cartoony uh, fun thing that they've got going on. That's super cool. I feel like most of my musical taste comes comes from my parents too, because like yeah. even when I was like in high school, I was listening to like Dire Straits, and my friends were like what do you listen to? And I was yeah. like, I love that. Like this yeah. came from my parents. So I think yeah. that's cool. Like how they influence us. It's, I, I do think that it'll be a cool thing that hopefully they can reflect on when they're older of like, they don't think it's weird that they were just hanging out at dad's work with the baseball <laughs> bones, you know, and they, but then they, they'll oh, realize they, later, like they should Whoa. feel really lucky. That's very cool. Yeah, but it, it, it will definitely inf influence their music taste. It already has, and it will continue to. That's I'm awesome. happy about that for sure. Very cool, yeah. We need more kids that like rock. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, today we were talking with this band from LA. They're called Speed of Light. Mm -hmm. And the lead singer, she's 14. She just turned Whoa. 14. The drummer is 15, and the guitar player is 17. They're all siblings. They're amazing. They're so really? they're so punk. It's crazy. Yeah. And we were sure that their parents had to do yeah. some, you know, to do. do with yeah. And they know. They just uh, no, no. Uh, our parents li just listened to Michael Jackson. Eighties friends. And... Like, of the, <laughs> like, how did you first listen to Led Zeppelin? He was like, oh, I 
I just found, I found out, like, I listened, I was like, whoa. Uh, that's, yeah, that's the beauty of internet, too. Exactly, see? Absolutely. People find stuff, and uh, they start digging it, and they're lo- learning the guitar on YouTube, and then they start yeah. making bands. <laughs> totally, and that's that's amazing that there is, like, the YouTube thing, there's such a resource for people that want to learn to play and like watching tutorials, watching people show them how to play a song that their favorite song, instead of sitting there, like listening to the speaker as close as you can, rewinding it over and over to try to figure out a part. You can watch the you know, guitar player of your favorite band show you how to play that part. It's, it's amazing. I, like, yeah. I, love, yeah. I love that. That will, that is there for, you know, like my kids to yeah, learn whatever sure. they get excited about. For sure. It works also if you're an aspiring producer too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, I like I'm watching stuff all the time of like, oh, what compressor is that guy using on the snare drum on that record? It, that that resource is really exciting. So, do you have your uh, studio at home, or how does it work for you? No, I have a I have a like in a commercial space in the city of Orange, just about fit, 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes away from my house. Um, nice. I've had Buzz Bomb for, uh, it's coming up on 14 years. Um, so that's been my home base for, yeah, for most oh, of the time. That's very cool. What are the new projects that you, you've been working on? Um, let's see. Uh, this band called Wank. Or I guess I'm trying to think of how, how recently I got to look at my. Oh, I know uh, Wank. They're on the same label as my band. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Then so I'm doing a new record for Wag. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm trying to think. I didn't know if you would have heard of them, but they used to be on uh, Maverick, Madonna's label back in the '90s. Really? Right? Oh, yeah. now they're on oh, wow. Die Laughing Records. Yeah. 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 Um, let me see. What else? A new record for Heckle, this punk band that used to, that was on Hopeless Records. Um, nice. Let me see. Uh, oh, a new Alligators record, which is the singer from Agnostic Front and the other guys from uh instead and i think i see that you've been working with uh agnostic from also recently mm-hmm. the record like uh yeah the last two albums i did for agnostic front i was we were talking with billy Grazadei recently oh yeah yeah and when he when we asked him is uh you know about his journey and his early influences it was a uh, citing them like uh, agnostic front has a, a huge impact on the way he started the you know, playing the music in Brooklyn and everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was pretty exciting to be able to, to make a record with them. And and then for that, like, I was honored to like have them say, Hey, we, we love what you did last time. Let's do it. Like do our next, we want to do our next record. So yeah, like the last one was really, really fun as well. Just ha- had a better relationship with all of them. And, and, and that's we, what we loved about your resume when we looked at all your credits, that you worked with such iconic bands, but also a lot of newcomers and emerging band, mm-hmm. like a Crash Overcast, for example, or Silent yeah, View, things we love. Uh, it's good. It's a great balance that you achieve in the, like working with very experienced bands, but also new bands, too. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I, it's in a lot of ways, it's more fun to work with smaller bands because they're like, it's just the nature of it. They're more excited. They're less jaded. Like, you know, it's, it's more spontaneous and more, you know, new, I fun ideas come out in that way. But not to say that I'm, that I don't have an awesome time recording Gnostic Front. It's super fun and we make an awesome record, but there is an, a, and the aspect of the kind of like new enthusiasm that's really fun working with smaller or younger bands um, that, that, ha- that don't have as much experience, you know, 
speaking of young bands, I just recorded this band. They're called Sick Sick Six S I K S I K S I C K S. They're girl. They're not all girls. The singer and guitar player are. I think they're juniors in high school and the, the oh. bass player and drummer, I think they're all friends, but um, from like, I think they're Ventura, Oxnard, Camarillo, Simi Valley area. Um, but they're super young, but they have so much fun. They make like cool, like you should look them up after we're done. It's, it's really fun. Um, the first time they came into the studio, they were like, wow, this sounds amazing. And it was, it, their excitement was really infectious. It made me, it was kind of like a, wow, this is, it's awesome to hear, you know, that, that attitude or that excitement from someone that's not like, yeah, it sounds pretty good. Like same as the last four records that I've done, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, I love it. I love working with basically anyone who is passionate about their music. And uh, have you uh, met Billy? That's yeah. I, so Dan who plays with Billy uh, uh -huh. he plays guitar on the dude with the mustache. He's, was is still in death by stereo but been my friend for 20 plus years but i went to go see billy play at uh the slide bar maybe like a year and a half ago yeah but I, that was actually the first time i'd met him um and i was just hanging out with dan and he's like hey dan paul this is billy and i'm like hey man I'm paul he's like wait paul minor like do you produce record i'm like yeah he's like oh then we just went on talking about studio stuff for for a while so he's kind of a newer friend but yeah I, i'm i'm friends with i've made Made friends with him recently. He's, he's amazing. He, he he agreed to be uh, the mentor of uh, our new movement, <laughs> Team Nowhere. That is, uh, and this podcast is uh, our first tool that we're trying to do this. Our movement uh, originated in France, and it's a collective of bands and fans trying to do stuff together. You know, to be because we think that if we unite, we're stronger, and that's why we're uh, trying to. Uh, we're launching this podcast here in the U.S. to reach out to people like you or new bands and, you know, start a conversation on how we can improve the scene here in L.A., but, you know, more, you know, yeah, generally build, yeah, build, a build a network yeah. around the world of people, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. And so Billy has uh, produced a, a record of my band, Yard of Blondes. Oh, nice. It's going to be released uh, uh, next year. So we're very That's exciting. Excited. And he's yeah. a very great uh, friend and uh, mentor for you know, he has a lot of passion and I, I he is, he's so positive. He's so like excited about life. It's awesome. It's yeah. infectious. Always eager about starting new things. And that's yeah. the, the beauty of it. So do you have any story from one of your favorite records that you ever produced? If you had to pick one. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think there's, there's so many good ones. Uh, at least, I mean, one that just pops into my head is we're talking about agnostic front, uh, Vinny Stigma, the guitar player's birthday is the day before mine. And uh, we rolled in on uh, my birthday. It was like the day we started recording. And he rolls in and he's like, Paulie, Paulie, I heard it was your birthday. And I, I can't remember how old I, I think I was maybe 38 or 39 when I was turning. He's like, how old are you, Paulie? I'm like, I'm, I'm 39. He's like, really? You're 39? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm 39. He's like, I, I can't believe it. You're 39. Yeah, man, I'm 39. He's like, you look fucking horrible. And that guy's like, he had me hook, line, and cigarette. He he's like, <laughs> hilarious. Um, but then he went to the then he went to 7-Eleven. He bought me a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I got you a cigar for your birthday. Uh, but they sell cigars at 7-Eleven. <laughs> whatever the or the liquor store. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But 
he ran out to get me a cigar for my birthday. It was awesome. Um, and then, you know, it's one of those things like that guy's legendary. One of the most famous punk guitar players, hardcore guitar players ever. And that, like I hung out with him, got, we got to work on the record for a week, week and a half. And then I didn't see him in person for a couple of years later. And then I was like, Hey man, good to see you again. Hell yeah. He's like, Hey Paulie, your birthday's December 4th. Right. I'm like, Oh, I remember because it's the day after mine. But yeah, he's and then also the second record, more Vinny Stigma stories. He was probably he came in one day, just shirt and underwear and nothing else, and just (laughs) hung out the rest of the day. Uh, Porky pig in it. Yeah, it was it was really funny. Um, I guess that's a good one. I'm trying to think. There's there's all kinds of wild weird stuff that that happens, but. I bet. How many records did you uh, produce in the last uh, 20 years? I, I have no idea. I, it's <laughs> un- hundreds for sure. I mean, uh, but I, I don't know. I, it'd be fun to go go back and count. <laughs> and in your credits, sometimes I saw that you were credited as layout designer. What does it what does Oh, say? yeah. I used to do. So I actually went to college to do graphic design. Um, so huh. back in the, in the early days, like, uh before like actually yeah kind of before death by stereo started i was doing a lot of graphic design for bands so uh i would do i did like actually yeah i think you probably saw the uh afi record uh-huh. I was friends AFI with the, and uh, the distillers too i think yeah so that was it was friends that i like from the band that i had before death by stereo we had played with a couple shows of the afi and got to know them and um that's how i met the distillers and yeah it was just uh i did I was doing graphic design f- along with playing, you know, I, back then it was fewer people knew how to <laughs> use Photoshop and Illustrator and do that. So I was like, oh, Paul's the guy that knows how to use Photoshop and make a CD cover. So that I became default layout designer for- You're like a renaissance man. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I'm very, very out of practice though. I, I kind of basically quit college to go on tour with Death by Stereo and never finished <laughs> college. So I am almost done with my graphic design degree, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you graduated yourself. Yeah. I, I <laughs> put that on the, the permanent back burner to focus on music. Um, we always play a, a mu- play, play a song at the end of the show. So yeah. what are you playing for us? So you decide, I think you picked fear no empire, right? Yes. It's one of my favorite things I've done in the last year or so. Uh, it's Dan Palmer who plays uh, with Billy bio and he plays in Zebrahead and death by stereo. Um, he plays guitar and then uh, Ali and Ben uh, from Zebrahead and then Mike who plays drums in death by stereo and adolescence and a million other bands. Um, it's a new project that we did kind of at the beginning of quarantine. They had, they were kind of like stuck doing, uh, like knowing that Zebrahead couldn't tour because Zebrahead is really a busy band touring all the time and, and they're stuck at home. So they're like, we, we want to do something new. It's kind of fun. And it kind of developed into something a little bit more serious than I think any of us had thought it was going to be at the beginning. So, um, really like pissed off angry lyrics about what's you know like what's wrong with the world right now and I, it was really really fun and uh gratifying to work on it and i'm really proud of how it came out i'm really i think one of the best things that i've done ever so That's yeah cool. that was, that well, was really cool. can't wait to hear it yeah and we're gonna play it on the show now <laughs> Thank you. 
I think Billy was the first one to mention to me Fear No Empire, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, we, are, we were having this conversation recently and uh, we were talking about this. Like there's a lot of hang anger right now in the world because a lot of things are not going very well. Yeah. And that's why I'm confident for rock and roll <laughs> because yeah. gonna be it's lots yeah. of things to say yeah i feel like we're in such a weird period that like we need rock and roll like that's like we need to express yourself all this anger i feel like it's the best way to do it it is i mean it's i know that this, this is kind of a parallel thing but the this saying happiness is the death of comedy it's kind of the same thing of like when everything's good it's like when things are bad a lot of great art comes from that you know so look at look for the silver linings with all the <laughs> horrible things that are going on in the world right now and there's a lot of uh, angry energetic bands emerging out right now so we were talking with billy and uh, it was like it feels like 94 you know 95 after the riots in la uh -huh. and like uh or you know bands like rage against machine coming oh yeah in and right now i'm listening to a lot of uh fever fever uh, mm -hmm. 333 i don't know mm -hmm. how, how you call them yeah and uh, he, we were talking about them, and Billy said, "Yeah, and Fear No Empire is uh, our one band you should check out because they're oh, awesome. angry and and powerful." So yeah, that's cool. Well, that's awesome. That's exciting that you that you had uh, he mentioned that. I'm really <laughs> proud of how this how this record came out. So I'm, I'm excited to for you guys to hear it. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking to us. We really we're happy to have you here. Thank you guys very much for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, when uh, all of this is over and we can meet in person and stuff, we hope to be able to do like events and stuff and organize shows. So oh, yeah. we hope to, to meet you someday. Yeah, Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much for your time. All right, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Bye -bye.